As I prepared to preach this morning, I had to think of Brother John Ralph and school and teachers and how maybe John is ready to teach some important connecting concept in, in algebra or some other class and, and there's an impending snowstorm and all the students are looking out the window. I just would like to ask you, my dear people, yes, the snow is coming, but I would encourage you to give attention to the word this morning. I'll do my best. I want God to speak to us this morning through the word, and, and I hope you can be encouraged and blessed this morning uh, from God's word. For a message today, I would invite you to the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's 111 verses in the greatest sermon that was ever preached, but I'd like to focus on just one verse from the Sermon on the Mount, and that would be from chapter 6, verse 11. And to put that in the proper context, I would like to read verses 9 to 13. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The text verse, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The title of the message this morning is Cultivating an Attitude of Dependency. You know, to cultivate an attitude of dependency goes completely counter to our human nature. We, especially as men, we have a desire to stockpile our resources and we would like to prepare well enough ahead and have a measure of security well into the future because of our resources that have been stockpiled. And yet, we certainly don't want to be indebted to anyone because that's a sign of weakness. But brothers and sisters, from God's perspective, that's a sign of pride. So as I think of this verse, give us this day our daily bread. You know, from a superficial perspective, that verse speaks of a personal request. Give us this day our daily bread. But brothers and sisters, it's so much deeper, so much more than that. I'd like to give consideration to several ways it is deeper than that. Number one, God is sovereign over all his creation. Secondly, God is the source of both our physical and our spiritual blessings. He is the giver. We are the recipients of his goodness and his grace. And thirdly, we recognize our daily and our continual need for his provisions. So in this little short verse, give us this day our daily bread, we recognize how needy we are. And this, I didn't think about this as a New Year's message, but maybe it fits. I would like for us to consider an attitude of dependency and make that our desire and our goal for this coming year. Number one, in the message, God created mankind for fellowship. And I'd like to ask you a question in the beginning. As you think of God before creation, is there any part of his character that was lacking? 
Maybe you feel like that's almost sacrilegious. I don't mean it to be that way. But as you think of God before creation, is there any part of his character that was lacking? And we would say, obviously, no. We know it wasn't. God was eternal. He is everywhere present. He is immutable. He's unchanging. He is perfect, or he was perfect and complete in knowledge, in holiness and in love. And brothers and sisters, I recognize I'm in a way over my head this morning, but bear with me. But in my limited understanding and knowledge, the only thing deficient in this picture that I see was a lack of expression. God needed an object to receive his goodness and his grace. And so he said in Genesis 1.26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. God desired communion with his creation. And God did commune with his creation. According to scripture, I believe that God communed each day with Adam and Eve there in the garden. But that beautiful relationship was broken at the fall. What happened to that relationship? God chose to to come and commune with Adam and Eve there in the garden. And you know, immediately following the fall, Genesis 3 verse 8, what happened to that beautiful communion, that beautiful relationship between God and his creation? Verse 8, and Adam and they, or Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Even though mankind, even though Adam and Eve were the ones who broke that beautiful relationship, God sought to restore that communion through a redeemer and through his son. I say that's beautiful. We were the ones that had initiated that disconnect, the sin. Satan, I guess, offered the sin, but we also accepted and we broke that relationship. And I'm blessed as I think, even though it was man's fault, God still sought to restore that relationship, that fellowship with his creation. And I firmly believe that God desires to commune and have that fellowship with his creation in 2022 just as much as he did 6,000 years ago. Do you believe God desires to have that fellowship, that relationship with you? He does. And that blesses me. Second point of the message, God's provision in the wilderness. Now we're thinking about dependency. How did God encourage the children of Israel to develop an attitude of dependency in the wilderness? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Verses 3 and 4. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread by the, to the full. For we have brought, for ye have brought us into the wilderness to kill us this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. 
that I may prove them whether they will walk in my way, in my law, or no. Moving down to verses 13 to 21. And it came to pass, at the evening the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew had lay was going up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoar frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. For they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating, and Moses said, Let no man leave it until the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun was waxed hot, it melted. So here we have the picture of God providing for his children. Imagine the logistics if you had to truck all that food into the middle of the desert, feeding two and a half million people, water and food. How many trailer trucks would it take to do that? D day after day, each day, God provided this. He had a daily concern for his people, for his creation. He provided for them in the middle of the desert. Reminds us. Give us this day our daily bread. And God demanded that they not gather more than their daily needs unless it was Friday. He said on Friday you can gather double and so on the Sabbath you can have extra. And then it did not breed worms and stink. And I guess I'd like to think of a spiritual parallel here brothers and sisters God desires that we develop an attitude of spiritual dependency on him. He desires to commune with you and me on a personal basis each day. And I would suggest to you that it's impossible to partake enough spiritual nutrients on Sunday morning at one setting to last the whole week through. Is that fair? And it's unfair to expect to expect Brother Elam, Brother Dave, Brother Samuel, or Brother Claire to give you enough nutrition on Sunday morning to last you the whole week through. What we're doing on Sunday morning is to whet your appetite to get into the Word through the week. Is that happening? Third point of the message, God's counsel to the kings of Israel. How did God encourage the kings of Israel to cultivate an attitude of dependency in their reign Turn with me to De Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 16 to 20. God gave this command, But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses, forasmuch as the Lord has said unto you, Ye shall not henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall ye multiply wise to himself. 
that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of which out of that which is before the priests of the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it therein, how often? All the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and to keep all the words of the law and these statutes, not only to, to know them, but to do them. Obedience. Verse 20, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren. And so on. There were three things here that the kings were not to multiply. It was horses and wives and silver and gold. Why did not God want that to happen? Because those things would distract and take away of the king's dependence. And the people of the kingdom, if they would multiply those things, it would detract from a relationship from a dependency on God. They could say, well, we have so many horses, we have so many men, and uh, would, that would detract from the trust that these kings were to have in God. I saw a car the other day that said the word coexist. You've seen that before, I'm sure. But I was thinking that it's impossible for humility and pride to coexist. A lot of people want, oh, let's just get along. Let's everybody coexist. And I guess to a certain extent, that's okay. But on a spiritual level, it's impossible for humility and pride to coexist. And maybe, obviously, we're not here multiplying wives and hopefully not silver and gold and some of the other things. But I want to ask you, are there things that we as a people should be careful about that we should not be multiplying because it's taking away of our trust, taking away of our dependency in Almighty God? It reminds me of the, the dash. It matters not so much the cars, the house, the cash, but what it matters so much is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. But... I don't know what it would be for you. I just list, listed a couple things as I thought about some of the men in the congregation. Some of you are farmers, and if your ultimate focus is you have to get 280 bushel corn because my neighbor, you know, he's, he's pushing up to that number, and, or maybe Brother Samuel would look at Willard and he'd say, well, Willard's got an 86-pound herd average, and mine are only 82. It spites me to no end. Samuel, I think more of you than that. My point being, are we so concerned about others and the Joneses and how others are doing that it just bothered us that we're not to the same level they are? Is that our focus? If that's our focus, that's a wrong focus. Maybe as a chicken farmer, I'm concerned about my feed conversion and uh, if my chickens are not performing as, as good as Aaron's, it really upsets me. Or one of you others said it. And ladies, I didn't put anything in here for you. Maybe I should have. But maybe those who could, who's the best seamstress or who's the best cook? Somebody else could maybe cook a little better than you. Or maybe somebody looks at another one and, and you don't like the appreciation. 
I didn't think this through very good, but uh, you can fill in the blank. But my point is, what is it that might affect? What could detract from us having a a full-fledged focus on God and his provision for us and developing that attitude of dependency? How is it? How do we retain humility? I had to think this as I was preparing this. And this was a real challenge, this God's counsel to the kings of Israel. You know, as I think of Brother Dave, he's been ordained two and a half years approximately. I've been ordained a whole lot longer than that. There was something I wanted to read. Yes, I did have this in my notes. Uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. Turn there. 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. And you know this account of how Saul was to go out and to completely store, uh, completely put the Amalekites to the sword. And you know what happened. And Samuel was saying, you know, what meaning the lowing of the cattle and, and the sheep in my ears. 1 Samuel fifteen seventeen. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. I wanted where, what is it? Yes. Yes, thank you. I need my, my brethren and people to help me. I'm not, certainly not perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. And as, as I think, like I said, Brother Dave is, has been ordained a short time, and he's doing a good job. God forbid that we feel like because we've served in a certain position for a long period of time that we have a leg up on somebody. I say God forbid. And I was challenged. And Samuel said to Saul, When thou wast little in thine own eyes and sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and and do likewise. May God help us no matter what position we carry, no matter how long we've served, but God to help us to retain the beautiful gift, the beautiful trait of humility because we are nothing outside of God. We're nothing outside of what he can do in our heart and our lives. Number four, the scriptural examples of dependency and I'm not going to turn to these. You know these passages well. 1 Kings chapter 17 speaks of the widow of Zarephath. And you remember in that account how Elijah, it's interesting, I think he traveled about 60 miles, uh, not in a motor home, but he traveled about 60 miles to the brook Cherith, if I remember right, and then also to, the, to a foreign widow of, of, a, of a foreign nation, pretty much, or this lady was in the territory of Jezebel. Isn't it interesting how God took care of Elijah uh, during this time? If you know the account, God had told Elijah, I've got got a woman to take care of you. He went to her and he said to prepare a little food, a little drink for me. And she said, I'm just going out. I've got a little, I've got a little, Oil, a little flour, a little oil on the cruise, and I've gone out to take several sticks and provide a food, 
a meal for my son and I, and they were going to die. But you know how God told this one, I'm sorry, Elijah told her, go out and do like you said, provide some for me first and bring it to me, and then, then you can have your food. And that woman trusted what Elijah said. And Elijah said that the, the flour and the cruise will not fail uh, until God sends rain. It's a beautiful story. A beautiful story of a woman that gave everything, gave it all up, gave up all her living because she was told to. And then God rewarded her for her act of obedience. A similar story uh, is the widow with two mites in Mark chapter 12. We're not going to turn there either. But you know in that account of how the woman gave two mites in the offering basket she wasn't bothered about how much other people knew, how much noise she made. She gave her two mites. And Jesus said, he, he saw from a different perspective, and he said, I tell you that this woman has given more than all the others put together. What a beautiful thing for a widow to do. She had put all her living in the offering. And I would like to ask you, do you think it was God's good pleasure to meet the needs of these two widows. I think it was. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so I ask another thing, a question. Does Satan offer an accumulation of goods and things thus to destroy our dependency upon God. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 20. Luke chapter 12, verse 20. This is the man who said, I'm going to tear down and build greater. And these are the things I'm going to take my rest Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, verse 20, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So what is it that God may, uh, I'm sorry, what is it that Satan may use to distract us from God and from our relationship with him? I just heard recently, and I didn't hear firsthand, maybe some of you have listened to the accounts of the missionaries and their, um, their story. It, it's my understanding that on numerous occasions, these 17 hostages or missionaries in Haiti, they had the opportunity to take the guns, and they had to take the opportunity to take the situation into their own hands, but they chose not to. I believe Brother John Ralph was talking about Jesus. He chose not to, chose not to, chose not to. Well, these missionaries chose not to take things into their own hands. And through much prayer and much tears and much apprehension, these hostages, they chose an attitude of dependency on God and they trusted him for the outcome. Are you and I like that? Or do we want to? We as men often, we want to take things in our hands. We want to fix things. Are we willing to lay some things aside 
and trust God for the outcome. Last point of the message, tools God uses to enhance dependency. I'd say one tool that God used, obviously, is his word. Matthew chapter 5, once again in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That sounds to me like a continual spiritual poverty. And for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I like that word is in there. That sounds current to me. That sounds like present day. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessings not only in the future, but currently, current blessings. I thought of Martha, I'm sorry, yeah, Mary and Martha, and how Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, but Martha was cumbered with her much serving. And you know that account. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. I believe she was enhancing an attitude of dependency. What about you and me? What about if situations are larger than we are? And I like of how often, I'm not going to turn to these accounts either, but I like how often people in the Bible, as you look in in the scripture of how they were faced situations that were larger than they are, and they brought it, they prayed to God, And God came through, and then they they came, and they praised God for his deliverance. First one I thought of was the children of Israel when they were between a rock and a hard place, when they were between the Red Sea and the approaching army, and they sought God, and God uh, delivered them miraculously. I will turn to two verses, uh, Exodus 15 verses 1 and 2 Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. A beautiful story of how God came through in wonderful deliverance for the children of Israel. I thought of Hannah and her barrenness and how she prayed to God and how God miraculously uh, changed the situation for her. You can find that account in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 127 to 2 verses 1 to 10 in that account. I thought of Mary and the mother of Jesus and how The angel came to her and said, you're going to have a child, the Christ child. And she said, how can this be since I know not a man? And you know the response, is there anything too hard for God? I thought I would share real briefly a story that I think came from Samuel Heatwell some years ago. But a person, this is kind of a modern day story of someone who had to place their trust in God for a difficult situation. It was 1933 when the Ukrainians were suffering greatly because of the Stalin-induced famine. At this time, the evangelical churches were being sorely oppressed and many pastors 
imprisoned for their faith. Many Bibles and other Christian literature were being confiscated by the communist government officials. In this setting, a young brother was chosen to be chosen by the church to be the pastor. He was a pastor without a Bible. He preached and guided the church without a Bible, and his family was on the verge of starvation. Sometime prior to these years, an uncle had immigrated to Canada. In the midst of these dire straits, this uncle sent a pair of beautiful leather boots to his nephew. One day, the family made a decision that the pastor would go to the market in the next town to sell his prized leather boots and buy, buy food for his family with the money. <clears throat> After walking 15 kilometers to the market, he began looking around. There was not much to be seen at the market. He soon found a man who seemed to be holding something under his coat. The pastor inquired, what would, be so, what would you be holding under your coat that appears so precious? The man bent his head closer to the pastor's ear and he said, a Bible. A Bible? A Bible? He was a pastor without a Bible. After some discussion, they made a trade, a pair of leather work boots for a Bible. The pastor walked home barefooted. As he walked, he began to worry how he, he would explain to his wife and his children that he had brought home a Bible instead of food. But as he came closer to home, his thoughts were diverted to his cut and swollen feet. By the time he arrived home, he could barely walk. The next day, he went to the stream behind the house where the water made a swirl in a little cove. He bathed his swollen feet in the water. As he was meditating about his situation in life, a large thief, <clears throat> a large fish swam near his legs. He quickly pulled off his shirt, and with his shirt in his hands, he caught the fish. His family had a good meal that day. When he went to the stream the next day to bathe his hurting feet, the Lord sent another fish, and that one landed in the frying pan as well. The Lord provided fish for the family for more than half a year until they had another source of food. His family survived the famine, and he had a Bible. The pastor was thankful. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. <clears throat> Give us this day our daily bread. What tools might God be using in your life to cultivate an attitude of dependency? Could it be a financial diverse, reverse? What about a difficult situation in life where the options are really limited and even unfavorable? What about a prolonged health issue? What about a strained relationship, maybe for years? God may be using some of these things to cultivate an attitude of dependency. In conclusion, is it not true that a certain amount of poverty, physical poverty, or being spiritually destitute is good for the soul? Is it possible that the difficulties that you are experiencing are drawing you closer to the heart of the Father? I thought of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need, all your need, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. May God help us, to, each of us, to recognize our total dependence on him. 
May we seek him each day in true humility. And may we pray, whether it's for physical food or some other need, give us this day our daily bread. May God bless you. Shall we have a song?